Welcome back to the one, the only Remsa Republic podcast. I'm your host, as always, Remsa W. Martinez. Go ahead and do me a quick favor. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Remso101. That's R-E-M-S-O-101. Follow me. I'll follow you back. That way we'll go ahead and expand our ever-loving Liberty family. As always, you can go ahead and catch the show notes and all that other awesome stuff at RemsoRepublic.com. For listeners that have been hanging around for a while... These are the type of episodes I love because we go ahead and we actually get to go return the opportunity for just everyday voters, everyday people that don't often get the opportunity beyond just the regular mainstream media to ask direct questions to candidates. Because, and a little rewind for new listeners, because every episode is the new episode for somebody. Like, this is the first time somebody's listening to it. It's amazing. The numbers that we've seen on iTunes and everywhere else are just incredible. Especially thank you to iHeartRadio. I mean, you guys are phenomenal. But for new listeners, we have one job that we try and do here very well each and every time. It's ultra cheesy, definitely a ripoff, totally corny, but go ahead and just hang on with me for a minute. It's making freedom fun again. It's about the idea of celebrating the fact that, you know, we can go ahead and live a prosperous life in the United States when we embrace individual liberty, free markets, limited government, the idea that I do me, you do you, we don't use the government as a violent middleman, and we can go ahead and live our lives just the same. Simple concepts, I know, for a lot of you. But somehow this has been considered radical thinking for a rather long time. It's this type of radical thinking that brought people like Donald Trump to the Oval Office. It's this type of radical thinking that brought good folks like my former boss, Congressman Tom Garrett, and the rest of the Freedom Caucus over to Congress. And as we're going into the 2018 election, it seems like everyone is getting ready for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 10. Everyone suddenly forgot everything that's happened the last eight, and I'll even go as far as to say 20 years, when we had an overexpanding Leviathan-like state, when we constantly considered your money to be the government's money, and this concept that we can just have a few self-anointed elite dictate your lives. Now, what we've seen is an overall rejection of that, but there's a segment of our population, God bless their hearts, that um, just seems that a bigger government, a larger state, seems to be the solution to everything. And going into 2018, I'm very, very worried that with the selective memories of so many people, we'll go ahead and repeat the same mistakes of the past. Today, I've got a guest that's definitely someone you want to keep a tracker on. You definitely want to go follow him on social media and everything after the show. He's running as a Republican in a time where it's not necessarily the most popular thing. But he's a bit different than your regular GOP type of guy. He grew up in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, graduated from Lexington High School in 1990, and then years later went on to earn a law degree in the University of Richmond. He's the co-chair for Americans for Prosperity Virginia. Love those guys. And right now he's serving in the Virginia House of Delegates. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ben Klein, sir, thank you so much for coming on the program. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, Remso, you, you're uh, 
definitely uh, singing to the choir here, and uh, I love what you're doing and love the message you're sending. So thanks for having me on. No, I appreciate it. So did you wake up one morning and just say, hey, 2018 looks terrible. I want to go ahead and get involved. <laughs> well, it, no, these kind of things, you know, the uh, political waves ebb and flow, and you just kind of got to keep advocating that message of freedom and liberty, regardless of where uh, the, the winds are blowing, because that's a constant message. That's a principle that is timeless, that doesn't uh, get affected by the who's hot and who's not of politics. Uh, really, what you've got to do is just uh, keep focused on advocating for liberty, advocating for freedom, keeping government out of the way. Uh, you're, you're always going to uh, have government somewhere interfering somehow that you need to get them out of the way. And that's, uh, that's what I've been doing. Exactly. And just looking at your biography, it's, it's not like you were just, you know, randomly trying to progress your own profile. It wasn't like you just went from, you know, getting a law degree and, oh, I might get involved a little here and then I'll run for office and I'll run for higher office. It's not very often that we get a type of activist statesman, so to speak. And I'm such a big fan of Americans for Prosperity. I know so many of my listeners are activists and donors, and you know they, they have such a respect for an organization that says, I'm going to go straight to the crisis point. I'm going to go ahead and bring up the issues that the conservative movement is passionate about. And the fact that you're with them and you've done so much before your time in politics to get involved – where, where did that passion begin? Where did that concept of I can actually have an influence in my community, state, and nation start to, you know, peak in your mind a little bit? Well, you know, in the, in the valley uh, of Virginia, it's uh, very rural. Uh, it's a very, uh, you know, do-it-yourself kind of uh, attitude that uh, is, is primary in the valley, as it is in much of uh, our part of Virginia. Um, you know, we just... Uh, take care of our own. And so helping my community, helping my neighbors, uh, helping my friends when it comes to uh, just needing a hand or needing a, a lawnmower or needing a, you know, a cat getting out of a tree or something like that, you know, you, you just help your neighbors. So uh, that attitude is something that I, I took with me to college. And, you know, I, I thought I wanted to explore uh this great nation. So I, I took a chance and went to a college up north that uh, also talked about freedom. Uh, was the first coeducational college in New England. Um, had always accepted women. Had always accepted minorities. Bates College up in Lewiston, Maine. Uh, thought I was in for a, a fresh dose of Yankee liberty. And uh, instead, what I got was a, a education about what it means to be a liberal. Uh, in college in today's society and uh, what they are all about and how you defend against the attacks of uh, liberal academia because Bates is one of the most liberal schools in the country and boy I got a dose of it every day in the <laughs> dining hall um, and you just had to learn so I built my debate skills there in the dining hall over you know uh, coming from the place where uh, Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson are buried and where, uh, you know, I have the middle name of Lee and uh, the Civil War uh, was is treated differently down there than it is in Maine. 
And so, uh, you know, debating those issues over the course of four years, uh, it made me more conservative. It actually made me have to defend those things that I brought with me, um, the intellectual baggage, so to speak, of being raised conservative by an economics, a libertarian economics professor who was my father and, uh, and a Catholic mother. So you combine those two and you get me. And that's what I took up to Bates. And, and uh, after four years there, it was too cold and too liberal. So <laughs> I came home uh, below the Mason-Dixon line and, uh, and uh, came back home. So um, that was kind of my upbringing and how those issues got instilled in me and made me who I am. What was the trigger point that made you say, okay, I'm not just going to defend this idea of liberty, this idea of you know, peace and prosperity, apart from just the court of public opinion and actually get involved in politics? When did you know you first wanted to run for House of Delegates? Oh, uh, I had never planned to run for office myself. I had a passion for politics and a passion for uh, getting involved, but... Uh, uh, I, I never anticipated that it would be me setting foot in there, but it's really a case of uh, when the seat came open, it came open suddenly, uh, had some calls from some friends uh, who said, we need you, uh, and we, we know you like to talk, we know you're a loudmouth, we know you're a fighter, we know you stand for all the right things, and so we need you down in Richmond fighting for those things. And uh, at that point, I was 30. Um, I was uh, single and, um, and, so, and, and just broke. But, uh, um, you know, so I, I didn't get into it for the money because $17,000 a year is what they pay the delegates. So it was pretty much, you know, just uh, about going into what, the right. What's that phrase you often hear around election time? You'll have these candidates spend over a million dollars to make 17 k a year. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's amazing, and and I gotta say, out in rural Virginia, you know, that's the beauty of of our part of Virginia is um, people just pick up from jobs and and will go to Richmond and help uh, fight the good fight for a little while and then go back home. It uh, government's not some kind of status symbol where I'm from, so you really when you go for a little bit and come home, people say, thank you for doing that service. But, uh, it's not like it is up in Northern Virginia where, you know, it's, it's a big deal and it's, or Richmond where it's a big deal out our way. It's just another way to serve. That's what we've always done. So that situation that you just brought up where, you know, the, the opportunity came suddenly and out of nowhere, that sounds kind of like how it was this go around. The idea that Congressman Goodlot would, say essentially i'm i'm done i'm going to finally retire uh that caught a lot of people off guard because they were expecting him to stay in for at least another i don't know like 20 terms or so so when the opportunity came around for you to run for congress i mean you already have a pretty phenomenal record within the house of delegates some people are saying that you know this could be political suicide if you were to run and lose (laughs) and then who knows what will happen from there what made you say okay i'm i'm kind of finished with Richmond. Now I need to go on to Washington. Well, uh, you're right. I've got the perfect work-life balance. It's a little hectic. I've got five-year-old twin girls, uh, so life is always chaos. But um, I, I work as, a, as an attorney in private practice. 
Uh, I get to go home every night, see my kids, um, you know, walk the dog, uh, and, uh, and get to kiss my wife goodnight. And then, uh, get to, you know, two months out of the year, I come down to Richmond, um, do my best to improve uh, the system that we've got here in Virginia and give people the freedom to, uh, to make their lives great. And, uh, make their small businesses great, make their communities great. Um, so that and, sounds and, like every reason not to go to Washington. Well, I've just told you, yeah, it's exactly right. It's, it was, it was uh, every reason not to. But the stakes are so high in Washington and the challenges are so great that I couldn't say no. I couldn't turn a blind eye when I found out the seat came open or that Goodlatte was going to retire that uh, – Coming from the valley, knowing that it's my uh, friends, neighbors, uh, co-workers uh, in the courthouse, at the gas station, uh, who are whose lives depend on us having a, a fighter in that position, someone who's going to go up there and not just go along to get along, not just play ball with leadership uh, to, to further their own career, um, but somebody who's going to fight for principles. And when it means fighting Democrats, I'll fight Democrats. When it means fighting Republicans, I'll fight Republicans. And that's what I've done in Richmond every day. I've got the experience as, as a fighter. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a battle-tested conservative warrior. That I've got the scars to show for it. So uh, who better uh, is, is how it was put to me. And, and I've said, well, if, if I'm uh, asked and elected, I will serve. So here we go. We'll see if we can get it done. Sir, I definitely want to continue this conversation, but first we've got to go ahead and hit our first commercial break. Folks, before I do that, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors this half hour. We live in a world where the money in your wallet, it can change value in a second. The value of that cash in your wallet will not be worth the same thing it was a few days ago, even a few decades ago. Remember how the recession was, for those of you that remember the bleak days of 2008? When it comes to the fiat currency, you need to make sure you have an edge, and there are people out there that will gladly take your money and then lose it and then charge you more to gain it. But there's a way to go ahead and bring investing power back to the people. I want to let you know about our friends at Join Helium. You can go ahead and check out www.joinhelium. That's H-E-L-E-U-M, joinhelium.com. Go ahead and integrate your financial opportunities to go ahead and trade between cryptocurrencies and the regular top fiat currencies of the world float into lower commodities and everything else when they're low buy it up and then come back forward it's all automated you can let your money grow overnight you can go ahead and learn more at joinhelium.com this is the remso republic hang on tight we'll be right back right after this join the remso republic on patreon today today Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Rims of the Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. I get to talk about topics that people don't like to talk about. The things they shy away from because of my political correctness. They don't want to be seen as bigoted, racist, whatever you want to call it. I honestly don't care. This is the Unapologetic Podcast. Tune in every Monday for your weekly dose of current affairs from an unapologetic perspective.
Hello, my name is Alex Merced, and I am a libertarian. I invite you to join me in spreading the message of liberty. Come down to alexmerced.com where you can find videos and lots of other media to help educate people about liberty and more. I've also created learneconomicsnow.com as a quick way to show anyone the basics about economics. Libertarian101.com, a great starting place to learn what is libertarianism, how to get involved, and how to move things forward. Introtheliberty.com, where you can learn more about how to spread the message of liberty through positive messaging from people like myself, Larry Sharp, and Michael Pickens. And don't forget libertarianpodcast.com, where you can find an exhaustive list of libertarian podcasts for you to enjoy. This is Alex Merced. Follow me on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. And thank you very much. Hey guys, Tim Price here, and I wanted to take a minute and invite you to stop over to PricePodcast.com and give our show a listen. We've got in-depth commentary on the issues that matter to you. These hookers. <laughs> fucking whores are out there. These They're... hookers, man, I tell you. Yeah, that's like the most contact I've had with the hooker. It's them yelling at them you. yelling at me at Twitter. <laughs> we break down the most pressing issues of our time. This what? large lady with, like, tight clothing on. Not appropriately linked to tight clothing either. And we get the most intelligent analysis from friends of ours like Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, we pulled over engine trouble and, and what happened, what happened? Uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, oh, I, oh, God. Seriously, though, we love putting on a show that both entertains and educates. We're growing and we'd be thrilled if you joined us. Check out PricePodcast.com for more. That's P-R-E-U-S-S Podcast.com. Folks, welcome back to the program. We're continuing our conversation from earlier with Delegate Ben Klein. Sir, I, I kind of want to you know, switch paces for a little bit and focus more on a lot of the policy issues that we're facing, not just as a state, but as a country. Um, the Absolutely. accomplishments of Donald Trump, and I'll, I'll be completely honest, uh, you know, bef- when he was candidate Trump, I thought that we were going to be in World War III or something by now, but I'm so glad to be wrong because our economy is rocking. The things he's done at the federal level, we have not seen since freaking Calvin Coolidge. I'm so glad to be wrong because America is thriving, but we still have so right. many challenges. You're right. Uh, he is uh, doing a great job. Uh, he said he was going to go up there and drain the swamp, and uh, he's doing it. He's, you know, uh, people are criticizing him for not filling uh, as many uh, empty bureaucratic positions as his predecessors. But you know what? I think it's uh, refreshing to demonstrate to the people that uh, uh, this bureaucracy that we call the federal government is bloated, it's uh, overfunded, over abused, and uh, just needs to be defunded for a little while. And uh, and demonstrate to the people that, uh, you know, there is hope out there for a small business man trying to make it. There is hope out there for, uh, uh, folks who, for uh, folks, families trying to, uh, survive in today's society, you know, from job to job, from paycheck to paycheck. 
And, uh, and Donald Trump is giving that hope to people all across the country, and it's just fantastic. And, and this is the part that just completely shocks me. And I don't know if it's just a lack of intellectual dishonesty because people don't want to say they're wrong. I am so glad to say I'm wrong. I don't want to be right if that means the things that I said might happen happened. I'm so glad to be wrong about the situation because my life is better. The life of my friends and family is getting better. And for so many other Americans, opportunity to succeed and thrive in America is coming back. And it's beautiful. But you look at the president's approval ratings – and they're not that fantastic. You look at the approval ratings of Congress right now, and it's not doing very good. Um, it, it, everyone is saying, and of course it's coming from the mainstream media, so of course you can understand their mentality going towards this. But you know, people are saying Republicans have not delivered on many of the promises they've wanted, whether they blame Speaker Ryan or um, Senator McConnell. It just seems like – when it came to a lot of the larger issues, yeah, we got tax reform. It wasn't perfect, but hey, I'll take it versus nothing. Um, when you look at the issues of healthcare, national security, there, there's so much at stake in our nation. And if there's ever a time for revolutionary change to just like, cram, like, like just kick down the doors and get stuff done, you'd think now would be the time to do so. What are the issues that you're hearing from your constituents that they want you to address in Washington? What areas do you think you'll be able to actually make progress on compared to the other candidates running in the primary? Well, they're nuts and bolts issues. And, you know, we've got a a practical district out there. Uh, It runs all the way uh, along the western border of Virginia, uh, all the way from Front Royal down to Roanoke, along the West, West Virginia, Virginia border, and then it's got a, a stem that runs out to Lynchburg. These folks uh, live with Interstate 81 that runs all the way down the Shenandoah Valley, and it's designed for 15% truck traffic. But if you've ever driven on 81, you know that uh, it's got about 35% truck traffic on it. And that's um, because of all the trucks driving uh, back and forth up and down the East Coast. And uh, we need to widen it. And so we need somebody who's going to get up there, who's going to uh, dig in and uh, find a way to widen Interstate 81. That's going to be a top priority for me, uh, making sure that on agriculture issues, you know, this ethanol subsidy that uh, uh, helps a bunch of Midwest corn growers, um, that doesn't help all of our poultry facilities in the Shenandoah Valley. Uh, that doesn't help our cattle farmers in the Shenandoah Valley who need that corn for feed and not for fuel. So we want to end the ethanol subsidy. You know, those are practical things that uh, I know how to do because working in Virginia's legislature, I've been able to actually get stuff done. Uh, There's a reason there's a third lane on 81 in Rockbridge County in my house district uh, because I worked with Congressman Goodlatte and the federal government to leverage that money to get it located in Rockbridge County. And uh, now we have fewer accidents because of it. I want that to be the case across the whole district. When it comes to things that the grassroots feel that have been ignored by the Republican Party, um, one of the things that quickly comes to my mind because I'm a bit of a gun nut is national carry reciprocity. That was one of the things that Republicans said would be a day one type of issue. When it came to addressing how to properly understand um, how are we going to bring down our debt, which is worth trillions of trillions of dollars right now, we were told that was going to be addressed. What, which of the main issues that 
the GOP has kind of just put on the side, would you be willing to bring back? Because I understand when it comes to a case-by-case basis, you know, the situation, the timing, the opportunity matters. I mean, when it comes to legislation, you can't just bring in things that, you know, the time is not there. But do you feel that the Republicans in Congress now have made significant progress in fulfilling their promises, or do you think they have more progress to make? Oh, we've got a much bigger goal to, to pursue when it comes to Congress. And we need to uh, readjust the argument. Right now, we have too many in Congress, for example, who are scared to confront uh, the environmentalist movement when it comes to energy. When it comes to um, the issues of, of energy, I mean, that's a big issue for my district. Uh, we've got folks who are paying uh, way too much for their energy bills because we're not independent as a nation when it comes to energy production. And so what we need to do is to, uh, and what Trump is trying to do, is to uh, have a have a uh, everybody wins energy policy where let's pursue more nuclear, let's pursue oil, let's pursue natural gas, let's drill offshore. Um, but, you know, you dig one uh, spade of dirt uh, to widen a highway like I want to do with 81 or, you know, uh, start to uh, dig for coal, mine for coal or dig for natural gas and uh, and they take you to court. We need to uh, reframe this debate. Uh, you know, let's, let's uh, look at it this way. Uh, if we could be energy independent, then we're less energy dependent on the Middle East. And when you're less energy dependent on the Middle East, then you have uh, less of a reason to uh, be involved when flare-ups happen over there. We have, sure, we have some reasons. Uh, you know, Israel is, is an important ally. But uh, at the same time, uh, every flare-up is not the crisis that it has to be because uh, we're so dependent on energy there. So, uh you know, the more that we can be energy independent, the better off we'll be. And we need to start standing up to the environmental lobby when it comes to that issue and start talking about what it means for working men and women uh, on their energy bills. So we've got a few minutes left. So I'm going to kind of give you kind of like a lightning round of um, different policy issues that a lot of people are going to be discussing as they consider who they're going to vote for at the ballot box. The first one is probably the one that I see people complain about on Twitter on a daily basis. It's DACA. Where do you stand on DACA? Well, I'm, a, I'm an attorney, so the rule of law is important to me. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I worry that we can't pick and choose which laws we want to obey and which laws we don't. So if, um, if there's a, a problem, uh, we need to... Uh, try and find solutions, but at the same time, uh, we can't solve a problem by just ignoring laws. And so, um, when it comes to DACA, uh, you know, we need to end the program, uh, but, um, you know, moving forward, we need to reform our guest worker programs. We need to inform, reform uh, our visa programs to end the chain migration uh, problem that we have and uh, get a hold and a handle on our immigration system because uh, while we are a nation of immigrants, we are also a nation of laws. 
a listener from Lynchburg went ahead and emailed the show with some questions he wanted me to ask you. The, f- the first one that he put in all caps and bolded, I think, is probably the one he wanted me to emphasize a little bit. But where do you stand on term limits? Well, term limits uh, would be great if they applied to everybody. But uh, if you want to – I serve at the, at the will of the people. That's what I'm doing down here in Richmond. And uh, so when the people – want me home, they will call me home. And that's the way uh, I would serve in Washington as well. That's fair. That's fair. Speaking of fair, one of the biggest things that I'm seeing amongst a lot of millennial Republicans in Northern Virginia is they like the tax code, but they want something more aggressive. When it comes to a fair tax or flat tax, what's your opinion of both of those? And would you ever consider proposing any legislation to bring out a fair consumption tax or a flat rate tax? At the federal sure. Level. I would love to uh, uh, repeal uh, the amendment to the Constitution that authorized the income tax. I would love to move to a consumption-based tax system. I think that's fair. I think uh, it encourages savings and investment. And, and um, so those models, like the fair tax, like the flat tax, uh, those are all moving in the right direction. And so I would love to see more aggressive tax reform than what we've had thus far. Thus far, we've had a, a great progress, but, uh, but we need to go further. And the last question involves foreign policy. Um, President Trump has done some incredible things when it's come to you know, building our military back up. But many people were quite surprised earlier in 2017 when one of his first major foreign policy conflicts was the bombing of major ISIS compounds near Syria and dropping of the Moab in Afghanistan. This brought many worries to people thinking that we were going to ramp up the number of U.S. servicemen and women in overseas conflicts. When it comes to the current issue of uh, Chinese aggression in the Pacific Ocean, Russian expansion in Asia, and the issues of radical Islamic terrorism in the Middle East, where do you think our foreign policy is heading, and where do you stand in terms of understanding the limitations of U.S. military intervention? Well, we have to understand, and, and I do understand, that uh, we can't be the policemen of the world where we go around to every problem and try and inject ourselves into every situation. Um, President Trump has... has, uh, has come into office and um, taken over at a time when there are a lot of problems that are generational, multi-generational in nature. I mean, the situation with Iran doesn't just go back to 79 and the Shah, it goes back to the the 50s uh, and U.S. involvement back in the 50s. So, so, um, you know, the, the problems are multi-generational and Trump has inherited several messes that he's trying to, to extricate us from. Um, but again, I, I think that um, we have to have the best and biggest and, and uh, most powerful military in the nation to protect its citizens. We need to ensure that we have the most modern military in the world uh, to protect our citizens. Um, but we have to be very careful about how we use that power. And when we do, uh, it has to be deliberative. It has to be well thought out. Um, and it has to be overwhelming in a way uh, that 
ensures that uh, you solve the problem and then you get back out again. Uh, and we don't want the creep of American military intervention uh, as we've seen over the past 50 years, 75 years in, in several countries to create these multi-generational problems that we're faced with today. I'm, I'm really glad you bring attention to the fact that it is a multi-generational thing because when it comes to people my age, and I'm only 23, we, we grew up in an environment of nonstop war. We've seen what it's done to our economy. We've seen what it's done to whether it's the expansion of organizations and agencies like the Department of Homeland Security to the TSA to even just wondering if we feel safe in the streets of our major cities. And this has brought up so many things like the Patriot Act several years ago and so much more. It's, it's something that I think many people are growing tired of. And when it comes to foreign policy, a lot of listeners of my show, you know, they're, they get quite they get quite scared when it comes to Republicans because, you know, they want someone with a Ron Paul type message, but they end up getting someone that sounds more like Tom Cotton in the Senate yeah. and Lindsey Graham. You know, they can't point to a place on the globe without wanting to bomb it. So understanding the issue of blowback and understanding that, you know, it always reverberates back home. We don't live in a vacuum is such an important thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, sir, we've covered so much more information, but the folks are probably going to want to learn more about you. To kind of sign off, what's the biggest message you want to send out to voters as you get ready for your primary and potentially the general election coming 2018? Well, I'm excited that the uh, convention has been set for the nominating process. It's going to be May 19th, Saturday, May 19th. It's going to be up at JMU in Harrisonburg at their Convocation Center. And uh, so uh, I love conventions. It's uh, for those of us who are political uh, addicts, we love that kind of thing. And so I hope everybody will sign up uh, as to be a delegate to the convention that'll happen in your local unit your local gop unit will have a mass meeting and uh, if you can't attend the mass meeting which you can find out when that's going to be uh, there'll be a pre-file opportunity for you to uh, pre-file to be a delegate and and then you can miss the mass meeting and just come to the convention but uh, we're really going to need a lot of people to turn out from all over the sixth district lynchburg's going to be a critical area where we're going to need a lot of support. They put it uh, the, the convention on Liberty's graduation day, which is uh, unfortunate because Ouch. we've got a lot of support at Liberty University, Jerry Falwell Jr. supporting my campaign. And uh, so that's frustrating. But I'm optimistic that Liberty loving individuals from across the 6th district will be willing to uh, caravan however we need to get there. Uh, we'll be having some buses run and uh, make sure folks can get up there and have a good time. And then we'll be off to the races. There are two Democrats in the race already. Uh, I'm optimistic that I'm going to be successful at the convention uh, in spite of some roadblocks they're, they're trying to throw uh, in favor of a, of a certain candidate who uh, can't get 50% of the uh, of support. They're trying to uh, make it a plurality, one-ballot contest at the convention. Well, that's I'm stupid. Well, I'm trying to uh, encourage folks to get up there so that we can reverse that and have the multi-ballot convention that we always have so that the person who wins has 50% of support, at least, uh, of the convention attendees and will be stronger going into the general election. Uh, so, uh, you know, knocking that aside, we'll be off and running towards the general against the Democrats, uh, along with, uh, you know, hopefully uh, Tom Garrett, uh, Dave Bratt, um, and others who are li liberty-loving 
Republicans. Hey, all my uh, favorite people. All my favorite people. I look forward to working with them and being a member of the Freedom Caucus. Um, There you go. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I chair the... uh, the Freedom Caucus equivalent in the in the House of Delegates. I chair the Conservative Caucus here in the House of Delegates, and so I'm looking forward to not just being a part of the Freedom Caucus, but helping to lead it in its in its fight to uh, uh, fight for freedom and liberty. Even better, even better, sir. If people want to connect with you on social media, check out your website and all that jazz. How could they do so? Uh, the website's BenKlein.com, and uh, and I'm on Twitter, Klein for Virginia. Uh, at at Klein for Virginia, and uh, so I hope folks will look me up and send me questions. Happy to engage. I have four town hall meetings every year. I'll be having a bunch of them when I get elected. I don't run. Uh, I I stand up and fight, and that's what I aim to do in Washington every day if I'm elected. And so uh, hope to get that chance. Doug Klein, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us tonight. We greatly appreciate it. Remso, thanks a lot. Folks, I'm going to leave you in a moment, but just one quick thing I kind of want to just remind you of. General elections, sometimes they just don't matter. And I know that sounds really weird, but hang on for a second. It, it doesn't matter if you have two people that want to grow the size of government running against each other because it's like saying, who wants to be the driver in this train wreck? It's like saying, who wants to go ahead and you know feed the monster this afternoon? When it comes to your primaries, when it comes to your conventions, those are the biggest opportunities to get the people out that have the best message. We've seen people come with nothing and get very far. We've seen people that have so much potential lose opportunities because people didn't care when it mattered the most. And then they show up on election day and they wonder, gosh, how did I end up with this? I know it's not always fun, but it's the most important thing you could possibly do. As always, go ahead and tune in next week. Go ahead and check us out on Patreon.com for $1 a month. You can go ahead and get exclusive jazz and so much more exclusive swag. I'm just thinking about 20 million different things. You can go ahead and get so much at www.remsorepublic.com. And as always, be good to your neighbor. Tune in next week and be good, America. I'm Remsor W. Martinez. Good night. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting remzorepublic.com. Hey, this is Lloyd Bailey, the Armed Lutheran, host of the Armed Lutheran Radio Podcast, reminding you that the podcast you're listening to is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Check out all the great content at selfdefenseradio.net.